generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. All right, so let's go real quick. Leap. Who's leaping already? Well, if you're not leaping already, just, you know, be honest and say I'm still out of the tracks. <laughs> just be honest. Let me, you know what? Honesty is deliverance. One major reason dishonest people struggle to grow and find help is that they are too dishonest to admit that they are dishonest. So you're living a lie in a lie and convincing yourself is the truth. If you like somebody, be honest with yourself. I like this person. Lord, help me. Are you understand what I'm saying? Are you with me? If you like a good lifestyle, don't say all the things are, are canal things. You, you know, so, are you getting what I'm saying? You like fine girls, but you're intimidated by them. You say all fine girls are nasty. Just admit, I like fine girls, but I'm into... Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me tell you this. If there's an area of protracted struggle in your life, and I'm going to touch on this in the teaching this morning, protracted struggle in your life is oftentimes an area in which you have not come clean before God. It says that they that are whole have no need of physician. I'm not trying... <laughs> you know, when I'm saying certain things and I go to certain people... Some people would think I'm trying to address. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? Sometimes the Holy Spirit is trying to, but that's not always the case, right? It says that they that are sick, right, they that are whole, have no need of a physician. In other words, if in your mind there is nothing wrong with you, you will not even see the help in that area when it comes. Because dishonesty is like spiritual cataract. It impairs your vision. You know, the Bible says to the pure, all things are pure. And then it says to the dishonest or the perverse, nothing is pure. That means that the dishonest person is going to look at a good business person and say, this person is going to cheat me. Because it's projecting his dishonesty on that person. You understand? So sometimes when we ask questions like, have you started leaping? If you know you've not started leaping. So, so I'm still warming up. You understand? And leaping does not mean that you've started seeing things in the material dimension. But it means in your mind and in your spirit, boom. There's a shift. So who started getting that shift already? Alright. Now if you haven't started getting the shift, go back to the teaching last week. And listen to it. I believe that certain messages require at least three listens. Certain messages. The first listen, maybe when you're there, listen live. Second listening, you're trying to take notes. Or preferably second listening, you're praying along. As the message is playing, you're praying. Praying in tongues, you're praying in the spirit. You pause, you pray, point through. The third listen, you now take action, not revelation notes. That's when you're right in church is to do. So what do I do with this? Every instruction is sent for an action. The instruction is the trigger. The action is what releases the impact of that instruction into the material realm. So every miracle has those two components, a divine instruction and human action. Every miracle has those two components. Divine instruction, some of us, we are bloated with an abundance of divine instructions. So your stomach feels full. Have you ever been bloated before? When you're bloated, doesn't mean you're actually satisfied. Doesn't mean you're comfortable. But is your stomach hard? Is it full? What are you likely to release shortly after? In other words, no substance. So there are believers who have been receiving instruction. Public, private, public, private partnership. <laughs> instructions what's the action that's why i gave an assignment last week time with god mentors glory to god all right so today we're going to be looking at freedom from slavery i'm not a slave anymore 
Look at somebody say, I'm not a slave anymore. We're going to read from the book of Romans chapter 6, 15 through 23. And I'm going to read from the NKJV. Romans chapter 6, 15 through 23. I want you to have the right posture in the teaching today. And what's the posture? Posture is I'm in a place to receive. I'm expectant. I'm going to hear something. Let's read together the count of 3, 2, 1. Romans 6, 15 to 23. 3, 2, 1, we read. What then shall we sin? Because we are not under law, but under... I can't hear all the voices, so we'll start again. Let's all read together. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. You won't go to hell for that. Look into your neighbor's Bible. Let's read together the count of three, two, one, loud and clear. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked, that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your, your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness for when you were slaves of sin you were free in regard to righteousness what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed for the end of those things is death and now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have the fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody say amen. I want to talk about, I'm not a slave anymore, of course, one of the things I want to do to preface the teaching is, um, because the text says you're no longer a slave of sin. Now you owe yourselves as slaves to God. But Paul is very clear when he says, I'm speaking in human terms. So I'm using an analogy which will help you understand what it is I'm talking about. And so in the real sense, when you look at the teachings of Jesus, he establishes the relationship between us and the Father as what? As what? Sons, Right? So when it says slaves to righteousness, he is not saying you are a slave of God, like God is going to use you, exploit you, bully you, manipulate you the way the taskmasters would. He is saying that in terms of the loyalty and commitment and as it were, the total dependence that a natural slave yields to his taskmaster, now you can choose to do that. It says yield your members as instruments of righteousness, yield yourself as a slave to righteousness, a slave of God. Look at somebody say you are an SOG. <laughs> but don't get soggy anyway. <laughs> SOG. So very quickly, what, who is a slave? Because I know that, do you guys have my pictures? You have my pictures? Okay, don't, don't show them yet. But who's a slave? Let me just define that. Who is a slave? Because we live in a generation where so many people might uh, bandy words around and then you might not actually even know what those words mean or not have a pictorial representation of those words because you're so far detached. It's like being in the 16th century and telling somebody, I want an iPad, right? The person has no reference what an iPad is in the 16th century. So many of us in the 21st century, we don't really understand what a slave is. We know that a slave is supposed to be under duress, under some kind of a control and grip and influence of a superior officer but we don't know the extent of the devotion and the loyalty and the commitment and how sold out a slave is so let me define from a dictionary first who is a slave now one dictionary says a slave is one who is the legal 
property of another and is forced to obey that person. A legal property. It's owned. He is owned. He or she is owned legally. That means that oftentimes there will be a document that proves that he no longer belongs to himself. He has been sold out, given over, yielded to, released, relinquished, abandoned. He's been given over. He's a legal uh, property. He belongs to another. Look at somebody say, I'm not a slave. Anymore. anymore number two a slave is a person listen to this one who works very hard works very hard without proper remuneration or decent appreciation someone who works very hard and i don't want to jump the gun but the truth is even though we've been liberated and delivered from slavery many of us are still thinking like slaves and we're going to look at that in the bible Many of us are still thinking about the things that we were freed from, that we were delivered from, liberated from. And so we still find ourselves working hard for certain things that Christ has freely given unto us and made available for us. Look at somebody say, are you working hard for gifts? It says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is everlasting life. So you work hard for prizes, but not for gifts. The slave works hard because he's owned by somebody, not because he loves the person. A son works hard not because he's owned by his father, but because he loves his father. And so two people can do exactly the same thing, give exactly the same offering, but it's the intention that determines the quality and the direction of the sacrifice. Because one person is given that 10% as a function of compulsion and duress and stress. The other person is given that 10% as a function of love and worship. <laughs> because somebody say, I'm not a slave anymore. Number three, a person who is excessively dependent upon or controlled by something. Excessively dependent. Why is it important for us to know this? Because many of us for, a long, for long seasons or protracted periods of our lives, after we have become born again, we still deal with slavery mentality. And we still deal with slavery tendencies and mindsets. We still deal with slavery dispositions. So some of us are still dependent excessively on certain things, on certain people. You know, can I shake a few tables? Some of us are dependent on certain atmospheres. In other words, if there is no music, you can't pray. <laughs> you know, that's a dependency thing. Which keyboard did Jesus use? Oh, come on, people. Oh, talk to me, guys. You, know, you thought I was going to talk about drugs. So I'm dependent on drugs. <laughs> that was FD. But there are other things that you're dependent on. Some of us, our worship is still dependent on God performing miracles for us. I will serve God passionately this week because our God has tried for me this weekend. You, you get what I'm saying? I'm impressed. <laughs> you, you know that? God. I like this God 3.0. God upgrade. We're dependent on that, and that's a slavery mentality or disposition. Some of us are still dependent on the affirmation of people. So until, look at somebody say, is it coming closer to you? <laughs> coming everywhere this morning. So if someone does not say, ah, my God, Rosemont, you look like the Rose of Sharon. Faith, you are so faithful. Enoch, you can electronically knock people out. Enoch. So we all didn't get it. Email, e dividend, Enoch. So we're dependent on a slavery mentality. 
Let me even bring it closer. Some of us will not relate with certain people until they change and they are brothers. In other words, the release of your love in their direction is still dependent on them changing. Christ didn't relate that way. And I'm not condemning you. There's some people I'm not the biggest fan of myself. But it's a slavery thing where our decisions are dependent on external factors. Jesus was dying for people. They were cursing him. He didn't say to God, God, remove this entire lineage from the book of life. Remove them. Anybody, even the people that manufactured the peg, the wood, cancel. <laughs> Eternally damned. People who curse God, God still causes sun to shine on them. You don't see a shaft of darkness around some people say, ah, this one has offended God. There's rain everywhere. Their own field, no rain. God says, I cause my rain to pour on the good and evil. Of course, it does not mean you maintain the same level of intimacy. Do you know that even amongst believers, God has different levels of intimacy with believers? Uh -huh. So it's not, I'm not talking about intimacy. I'm talking about the release of God's love. So God loves all his children, but there are dimensions of intimacy. And do you know that one of the things of, about slavery is that some of us were still slaves in our minds. So because of the way we perceive God, we don't think God really likes us. And it does not encourage us to grow closer to him. Have you noticed that when you don't feel somebody likes you, you're careful? Because I don't know the one I will say now or do now. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> you can say it all you can say. You don't know which one. So you're sort of like edgy, and some of us are walking on eggshells in our relationship with God. You're hesitant, you're tentative, you're apprehensive. Like, God, if you're really God, beat me up. <laughs> Number four, slavery. It's also a thing that is directly controlled by another. A slave is directly controlled by another. Let me read a couple of things. Slavery is a condition in which one human being was owned by another. A slave was considered by law as property, or, uh, as property and was deprived of most of the rights ordinarily held by free persons. Listen to this. The slave usually had few rights and always fewer than his owner, but there were not many societies in which he had absolutely none. So he still had some kind of rights, but he didn't have a lot of rights. And one of the major things about slavery is that back in the day, many times, the slave was not even allowed to wear clothes. For oppression reasons, for harassment reasons, but one of the major reasons is so that the slave does not, and does not take anything that belongs to the owner and keep in the pocket or keep in the body. When the enemy, when the devil enslaves people, he strips them naked. And that's why the Bible says, what does the prophet man against the whole world and he loses his own soul. So the enemy doesn't mind giving you the whole world, but you're not going to take it anywhere. Oh, can I talk to somebody? So the person is still going to be naked, millions of dollars feeling naked. Sleeps with 300 girls a year, still naked. <laughs> Tallest building in Manhattan, still naked. Millions of dollars or even billions of dollars, still naked. Why? Because the true garment for a human being is not clothed, it's the glory of God. It says, for all have seen and come short of the glory of God. What was the very first thing that man said when he sinned? What was the very first thing that happened? They knew that they were naked and not ashamed. In other words, they became self-conscious instead of being God-conscious. I'm going to walk 
through 12 symptoms of slavery so you can get it. Look at somebody say your true garments is the glory of God. I love the energy but I've heard you speak louder. Look at somebody eyeball to eyeball and say your true garment is the glory of God. Oh I feel like preaching. The enemy wants to think, oh, it's, it's the nice clothes, it's the mascara, it's the lip gloss, it's the makeup, and it's, it's this one and that one. That's why the Bible talks about the robe of righteousness. I love the robe of righteousness for many reasons. One of them is that no matter how hot the iron is, it cannot burn it. Ever ironed your clothes before and you burn the hole into your clothes? Well, the robe of righteousness is hotter than any iron in the wall because it was designed by the greatest fashion designer, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the consuming fire and that robe can consume things in your life. Come on, somebody. That when God, the very first thing God gives you when you get saved is what? Righteousness and he calls it a robe. Because the same way sin took away your garments of glory, he starts with a robe of righteousness and puts it on you. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Joseph is a type of Jesus. And when his brothers were going to sell him, what was the first thing they did? They took up his robe. Whenever the devil wants to sell you into sin, he makes you lose consciousness of your robe of righteousness. Can I teach this morning? <laughs> so all of a sudden, they had been naked, right? They had been naked, but they didn't know that. They had been naked all along. They didn't know that. Then all of a sudden, they committed sin. What happened? Dishonesty set in. And once there's dishonesty, you will see everything dishonestly. You cannot see clearly when you're wearing colored glasses. What you will see will be a tint of that color on everything. That's why the sinner is incapable of perceiving the fullness of righteousness without the faith of God. The grace that you save through faith. So God has got to give the believer faith. Why? Because it says concerning the kingdom, we live by faith and not by... We walk according to our faith. That, that means the way you see the things of the spirit is faith. That means you cannot even see yourself as a sinner except God gives you faith to see yourself the way he sees you as a sinner. Is somebody getting this? <laughs> I will guess it when I'm ready. You can't get saved when you're ready. Because you will not be ready. Because you don't see anything wrong with you. God's got to give you faith. So you can see that, oh, have you ever been speaking to someone? It depends on, oh, like, this is what I've been telling you all along. I get it now. And so, when the enemy wants to sell us into slavery, thank you for this, we look like this in the spirit. Can you show me, the, how many pictures do we have there? Five. Give, give me one after the other, real quick. When it wants to sell people into slavery, this is what they look like. How many of you, some of you have studied history and all of that, and you know that there, was the, there were four streams of slave trade Right, there was the a whole Indian trade, the Indian channel of slave trade, the Indian oceans. So when you go to a place like Maldives, you see people who look Af African and Asian. They look like they're mixed together, right? And a lot of Indians are also blackish. So millions of Africans were moved. No, just give me the first one first. I'll tell you. Millions of Africans were moved in droves in in ships. Over hundreds of years, from about 1400 to 1800, millions. Some people put the figures at about 50 million. In fact, what one research actually says is that by 1800, the population of Africa was half of what it would have been like if there was no slave trade. In other words, slavery depopulates. Anytime there is slavery, there will be evacuation. Because the moment Adam and Eve became enslaved, what happened? Talk to me. They were evacuated. They were evicted. As long as you have a slavery mentality, even in the promised land, you can't take possession. Because slavery comes with eviction. You always feel like, I don't belong. I don't belong. I don't belong. That's a slavery mentality. Look at somebody say, we're dealing with it this morning.
Millions! Whoever quoted. Some were taken to the Indian Ocean. Then there was the Arab Channel. So you go to Arabia, you go to Dubai, the Emirates, Qatar, Oman, you see black people. Their hair texture is a little different, but their skin is black. So their hair is Asian. Who knows what I'm talking about? At least you've seen pictures. But their skin is black because of the cross-pollination. Is that what you call human? <laughs> the, what, what do you call it? Cross-breed sounds like animal stuff, right? The commingling. <laughs> Of human entities and then there was the uh, the, the trans-saharan and the trans-atlantic was the biggest one those trans-saharan to be put to egypt and morocco and parts of arabia as well and then there was the trans-atlantic the two people through the water so some of you have been to uh, to uh, what's that park called in in ghana it was there like 10 years ago there's a park cape coast elmina castle you've been to elmina castle it's one of the major uh, ports where slaves were transported over the seas. Now, a slave is tied in chains and he cannot move by himself. He is dragged by things, dragged by circumstances, dragged by situation. When his bank account says you can't afford it, it says, yes, sir. When his body is producing generous juices, or rather, cut out juices in generous proportions, it becomes reminiscent of a bubbling chemical factory, Bunsen burner, blazing. He is driven by his ho, and then moans. Slave. Some of y'all didn't get us, okay. These are the, the sanctified people. <laughs> if you're looking straight, I suspect you. It's driven. Our text, what does our text says? Do you not know that the person that you submit yourselves to obey, you are a slave to that person? So these guys, what happened? Many of them were cutted against their will. Against their will. And in some cases, some of them were sold out. Many of us have been sold out into cultures that we're not designed for. Some of our parents sold us into marital slavery because we picked up their ideologies and chains are not formed at once. Chains are formed in tiny rings. It starts out with one ring, but another ring, another ring, another ring, another ring, and it becomes a stronghold and a massive addiction that you cannot break out of. So some of us are addicted to anger, not because we are angry people, but because we grew up seeing our mothers angry at our fathers, our fathers angry at their bosses, our uncles angry at their wives, and the chain was forming. And you don't know you are chained until you want to move beyond a certain limit then the chain pulls you back and the chain holds you back and the chain snatches you back and you go what's going on it's because there is a chain on your neck look at somebody say we're breaking loose this morning we're breaking we're breaking loose this morning this is the reason some of us cannot go beyond a certain level it is not necessarily a demonic force sometimes there's an ideological chain around your neck that is actually scared of being too big or being too successful or being too anointed or being too responsible so you never volunteer when they say who can do this in your heart you know you can do it but you will never raise your hand because there is a chain on the inside that is saying do you want all that attention do you want all that responsibility do you want all that somebody look at your neighbor say i don't know about you but i'm breaking this change this morning You're oblivious of the existence of the chain until you try to move. And they put around the neck, strain the spine, except you align. Yeah. 
I speak to demons that are hiding, hiding in the name of philosophy, hiding in the name of decency, hiding in the name of intellectualism. I speak to intellectual demons, ideological demons, cultural demons. I expose you right now. Let the hearts and the minds of God's people begin to fish you out and see you for who you really are. You are not just a tendency or a proclivity. You are a deep seated demonic ideology and we uproot you this morning in the name of Jesus the slave masters you know many of the slave masters they will have guns so the slave or the slave master manipulates with the threat of loss or death You know, if you don't take this money, you will not be able to pay your children's school fees. You will not be able to pay your rent. So the slave master of theft or bribery and corruption says, your life depends on this. Your life depends on my benevolence. If you don't sleep with this girl right now, she'll know you die. Men, doesn't happen sometimes. You feel like if nothing happens, Something will happen. <laughs> Slaves. It says, know ye not that the person to whom you yield your members to obey. Please, let me just say this here. Paul does not emphasize this in this text, but what is clear from that text is that you are not your members. Come on, people. You are not your eyes. You can tell your eyes what to, what to watch. You are not your private part. You can, you can put your... Are you your private part? Who's laughing? I know people use that in the culture. You are in this, but you are not that. You can put your private parts in the private place of prayer and enslave it to the throne of God. You will not wander into strange places. <laughs> it's okay to laugh. Don't get bloated emotionally. Okay. Slavery! Servitude! You know what happens after a while? They begin to bow. Some of you don't even know the meaning of Oyibo. You know what Oyibo means? Oyibo. What's Oyibo? Pardon? White people. But do you know what it means? Oyibo, someone you worship till you fade. Oyi. Enitomanyi. Tomabo. So my surname does not mean God is as good as the white man. It means God is worthy to be worshipped till you fade. But Ogutoyibo means. Ogun is worthy to be worshipped to your faith. Omotoyebo means a child is worthy of eternal worship. Odatoyebo means a hunter. is worthy to be worshipped forever. So, when we say Oyibo, do you know why? Because when the white people came to our shores, we thought they were angels. If you read the ancient history writings, they say men of glowing skin. They thought they were from heaven. They spoke a language they couldn't understand. I could teach kingdom from colonialism. But that's another series. They had superior weapons. They said they had flying serpents that would kill people many. <laughs> they had sophisticated weapons. Say, oh, you, have, you have to worship this person. And why? Because the African, why could they easily dominate the African mind? The African mind often worships wonder. Wonder, what they don't understand. It's easier. Whatever you're easily impressed by, you'll be easily bound by. That's why when you want to catch a, a rat, you mix the poison with something that it likes. Your greatest areas of temptation are some of your greatest areas of ministry. So it wants to enslave you emotionally so that you will not be bold and strong enough to release joy. Begin to bow. Begin to bow. Bow. Because slavery leads to worship. Worship. 
Why was worship? Worthship. Slavery allows me to see your worth as my sheep. I see your worth as what drives my movement. As what governs my movement. That's why when Jesus spoke to that woman by the well, he said, they that worship must worship in what? Spirit and truth. In other words, the worth of their commitment must not be relegated to the material realm. <laughs> ah, God, you give me an iPhone, I will give you high praise for iPhone. He said, don't, don't be driven by that. He said, must worship in spirit. And the material realm is temporary, the spiritual realm is consistent. So that means my worship must be Come on, people. Must be what? Consistent. Time in, time out. Day in, day out. Look at somebody say, I'm not a slave anymore. Give me some more pictures. A slave is only fed. Watch this. A slave is not fed for the future. It's fed for the day. Subsistence. Fed to execute. Have you discovered something about appetites and lusts? That they are never enough for the future. They only satisfy. But there is something I've discovered about passions and appetites. Passions and appetites are like Instagram posts. The more you respond to them, the more you see them. The less you engage them, the less of them you see. They are fed just to be able to survive the task. Just to be able to survive. Let me run through a list. Run through a list. How do you know you're struggling? And I believe that almost all of us are struggling one area or the other with a slave mindset. Of course, if you are born again, you are no longer a slave to sin. But the reason Paul is saying that is that it's possible for the chains to be off, but the impact of the chain is still around your neck. You know the whole story about the grasshopper, the grasshopper that was in a glass jar, and there was a lid on the glass jar, and the grasshopper kept on trying to bob out of the glass jar. It will hit the lead and fall back, hit the lead and fall back, hit the lead and fall back, hit the lead and fall back. But after a while, it started tiring out. And at some point, when they removed the lead from the gas, glass jar, the grasshopper had even stopped trying. <laughs> was tired from trying. That's what happens when people try to become righteous with their good works. See, the, the gospel is the only message that has the power for lasting spiritual fruit. Oh, come on, people. If you join a ministry on a false promise, you will live on a false premise. Someone says, ah, if you come to my church, there are five girls you will marry. The first five girls you saw, the person slapped, slapped you. Tozai. Why are you looking at me somewhere? The second one, he stands out. Ah, people like you are not supposed to be in places like this. <laughs> Promises shattered. Your faith was in a false promise. Some believers, they were told, when you get saved, ah, money, house, three years, fasting and prayer, to the God of the belly. Give. <laughs> and things are still very tight, right? See that? So, so it's the gospel that has the real power. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation. How do I know I'm dealing with some, what are slavery symptoms? Slavery symptoms, let me run through them. Number one, consistent indecision. Being indecisive, I should say. The loss of power to choose. Because that's one of the things about the slave. The slave cannot say, ah, I want to go to Silverbird. There's a Silverbird called Golden Chicken. <laughs> I want to drink Coke. Coca. Cocoa butter. He doesn't. Can't decide. Has no schedule. Everything is top stubby. If you find yourself in a place where you're constantly indecisive, you're so tentative about many things. This morning, to even choose what to wear. No, I'm not saying just on the premise of this morning. I'm just saying the, person, the people I'm speaking to know. Yeah, you will know it's you. 
Because the word of God carries your name on it. Don't you know? Isn't that true? Have you ever heard a message in a message that was not preached? It's the Holy Spirit. Or like B said, like I'm monitoring you guys in the spirit. I'm preaching, addressing questions. Not me. It's the Holy Ghost. So if I remain plugged into him, as you're plugged into him, he can reveal stuff to me. So consistent indecision. And you can see the track record in your life. Where to work was a battle in terms of your personal decision. What school to go to? You're always asking questions. Best friend, you change best friend like three times in one year. This person is my bestie, bestie, besto, besta, bestest. <laughs> you had all that tendency. Number two, ruled by emotions, compulsions, or addictions. Ruled by, you're enslaved in that area. Ruled by so the, the campus said, When I get angry, it doesn't matter who it is, I will show them. Slave, me, once I make up my mind, even angels can't change it. Slave, I don't know about you, but self control is not part of my own fruit of the spirit. Slave, number three. A sinful lifestyle. Because John chapter 8, Jesus says, Do you not know? It says that they that commit sin, they that in that commit sin is saying they that committed to sin. Every human being sins, even after you're saved. Sins of omission, commission. I always pray, Lord, every sin of omission, commission, commissioner, sin of governor. <laughs> Some of you have sin of precedence. It's not commission that's presided <laughs> by the nation of the heart. But there will be a divine coup this morning. The king of righteousness. Ah, I love Jesus. I'm suspecting that that timer is not working. I'm watching my time. It's almost 10 o'clock. It's telling me I have 19 minutes left. That is a lot of generosity. Even I will use it judiciously. <laughs> All right, you can just make it like 10 minutes or something. So, ruled by emotions, compulsions, and addictions. I need to run. Jesus said that the person that commits sin, that word there, the implication is the person that is committed to sin. The person that says, Ah, Sniper, I've come from Germany. Let's go ahead. They're calling. <laughs> you understand? People whose your flesh. Is so thick, it's like elephant meat. It's thick. Even the hot bubbling water of the word needs to take time to soften it. Everybody at home, once you are in that state, everybody will leave the state. They'll leave the estate even. <laughs> Not good. Number four, sin consciousness. Number four. Number one, consistent or constant indecisiveness. Number two, being ruled by emotions. Number three, sinful lifestyle. Number four, sin consciousness. So some people, they're not even, their sin, the sin they're dealing with is that they are too conscious of not sinning. So that's the sin of sin consciousness. So they're not resting in the grace. Jesus said, take, learn of me, I'm meek and lowly, take my yoke. Say my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Why? Because I'm the one carrying it. But as long as you remain under the yoke, you are not being crushed by the weight of what's being carried. You're coasting in my grace. But they just like, ah, God, I, I don't want to. I don't. God, you know, someone said to me years ago. I don't hug people because I feel like I'm taking their body heat away from I'm stealing their body heat away from like, That's theft. Is it, is it, he said that when he's walking through people's lawns, that he doesn't pluck any grass or any flower. I didn't want to condemn him more because I knew he was dealing with the spirit of condemnation. What about the grass you are marching on? Are you not crushing the spirit of the grass?
the spirits, the souls will be groaning, being condemned under the stump of your mighty feet. Number five. <laughs> so there's blood on your legs. Number five, self-consciousness. By the time we're done, all of us will find at least two or three areas. At least. Some of you have found six. Even, <laughs> even I'm in number five. <laughs> But this is a serious matter. Israel was liberated in less than 40 hours. But they were still enslaved in their minds for 40 years. In other words, they, were, they had been conditioned for 400 years. 430, 400 years. And after they came out, 10% of the generational conditioning was still the reflection of the condition. As in 40 out of 400 years. You see that? That's why we have things like in love with kings and master life. Because saying a prayer does not reverse all the consequences on your mind. It removes all the accusation before God. It removes all the blame. Your sins are nailed to the cross. God knows it. Even the devil knows it. But because the devil is a deceiver, he will still present it before you. Because if you don't know it, oh my God, okay. Just bring, you, you were trying to pray one day, then he just brought you out. JS2. JS2, where two of you were gathered in a secret place, but not of the most high. He <laughs> just brings it out. Some of you are like, the devil doesn't need to go that far for mine. Last <laughs> night. <laughs> but the Lord is bringing deliverance. Let me go. Self-consciousness, number six, spiritual indebtedness. Is that number six, number seven? Okay. Spiritual indebtedness. Just still feeling, I owe God. I owe God. Even if you owe God, where will you find the money to pay him? What will you pay him with that he does not own? So your favorite song, and I love the song, it's a beautiful song, and no shade at all. It's by a song I really respect. You've done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. Nah, Rick. But when you're singing it, you're like, ah, I'm owing God. <laughs> nah, how, nah, how. A lot of tears. Not all tears are coming from a place of spiritual worship. Simple out crying in condemnation. Not appreciation. <laughs> As I sing, they say, Oh dear, oh dear. You are singing. With which lips? I used to kiss somebody. Indebtedness. So you can't even. Let's go. Number seven, victim mentality. Because a slave, and I'll tell you what, and I'm not saying this out of insensitivity, and I'm saying this with all gravity and humility and as much sensitivity as I have in my spirit. I believe that there is still slavery. There's still slavery. I know that, not like I believe. And I know that there is still subjugation and racism in America especially against African-Americans, maybe more recently uh, Mexicans and South Americans, but African-Americans because about 12 million slaves were taken through the transatlantic uh, slave trade to America, to the Americas, you know, in Brazil, uh, US of A and all of that. And I know that there's police brutality and there is this attack and that, and that's wrong. Bible tells us that. There is no man that was created to dominate another person. With that said, can I still tell you the truth? That some African Americans are not dealing with racism. They are dealing with racism consciousness. They are not dealing with slavery. They are dealing with slavery consciousness. Some, not all. Maybe even the minority actually. But there is that thing of they are against us. Oh, it's because of this. It's because of that. It's because of this. Yes. 
You know, so there's a lot of, and that can happen to us as believers. That you're standing before God and you've been trusting the Lord for something. Trusting the Lord for a miracle and answer a healing in your body. Two months, three months. But Jesus taught us to persist. Luke chapter 18, right? We don't know how long that woman kept on knocking on the door of the righteous judge. But there's persistence in prayer. Jesus taught us to persist. Now, that delay may have nothing to do with what you're... Maybe God is trying to build your prayer power. Are you understanding that? Prayer capacity and stature for the next level. But your mind, like, I knew it. It's because I didn't pay tight for the last three years. I'm not saying you shouldn't give or be generous, please. I'm talking about the motive now. Oh, it's because, you know, we did Go series and we said people should go and preach. And throughout the five weeks, one soul I did not save God, they are punishing me. That's a victim mentality. Number eight, very closely related, and many Africans deal with this scarcity mentality. The slave is so conditioned to survive that he does not see how he will thrive without stealing. He thinks the only way he can thrive is by stealing. Have you noticed? That many housemaids, house help, they steal. Many. Because they feel that their wealth has been placed in your hands. Mechanics. They will fix one, spoil the other part. It's a slave mindset. When somebody tricks you into stealing your phone or your bag or your money is because in the person's mind the only way he can get that thing is to rob somebody else of it oh my goodness so you know people that bad mouth people to look better with others is a slavery mindset because they don't believe that two of us can look good at the same time so they feel i need to talk somebody down but the bible says that have i finished the, the list it's okay for you to clap. It's really okay, I tell you, you know that. Number nine. It's long ago. Selfishness. Which is it's out of scarcity mentality. We don't have enough. It's on go around to selfishness. Number ten. Self-doubt. Self-hate. Self-degradation. Wow. You are an amazing singer. Hey, me that I sound like a frog. I love the way you handle numbers. You mean the book of the Bible? Or self-hate. If you're overly conscious about how you look. The truth is I believe that every human being at some point has looked at a part of their body and they wished it was a little different. I believe so. And I believe that even God did that one on purpose. Because I believe that God could make like... But I'll tell you what. A lot of that stuff is not about how you look. It's about how you think. About how you look. Because that same part of your body that you're... Whatever about your husband or your wife will say that's the part they like. <laughs> Fidel is back now. <laughs> is that glory or oh, glory to God? There's hope. So you think that like your, your head looks like the Pentagon. It might. <laughs> Have you seen that video of uh, the daughter and the, and the father? They said that, Daddy, I want to be two things when I grow up. I want to be a prayer warrior and I want to be a medical doctor. The father said, daughter, why? He said, <laughs> he said, he said, prayer warrior, so I can pray to God to reduce the size of this year head. And if prayer does not work, I'll be a doctor so I can operate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, that's one of the funniest. <laughs> it's, a, it's a ridiculous video. Well, that's a daughter that really cares. But the point is this. If you're overtly conscious 
about how your legs look, about how your navel is shaped, about whether your ear prints are visible, ear prints. You're overly concerned about the general circumference of your nostril or the density of your lower lip or the angulation of your capitis. <laughs> the forwardness of your okmo. You know what? Many people don't notice that after a while. The first time they see you, they might go, hey. In their hearts. Right. I don't know if you have seen people before. And you were not quite sure what was going on. Come on, be honest. You, you are not sure if it was like, is this real or like costume kind of thing. You see the first time, second time, you're still wondering, third time, my pray about it, fourth time, fifth time. After a while, do you notice? But you, for the last 15 years, you've been saving money for Dr. Nout. <laughs> I got to close. Number 11 nakedness feelings of nakedness you feel naked you feel exposed you feel that everybody is haunting you that somebody is going to bring one strip of revelation and put it at Times Square with all the digital boards watch too many movies so in your mind you're already designing the headline <laughs> Look how man cannot can. <laughs> Look, but Christ has really. Why do you think that God will forgive you and then expose you? The, the, the only time God will allow an exposure is if you have abused the opportunities of private correction. And because He wants to save your soul. And He sees that you need to come face to face with the impact. So let me give you an example. If you're doing something that brings God shame, consistent and consistent, and God is correcting you, and you're not responding, as in like, yeah, just like, the blood, the blood. <laughs> Sometimes God is going to expose you so you can feel the shame that he feels. So it's out of love. But that is, an, is a very extreme case. Many private struggles will never make the headline. Are you understand what I'm saying? So don't be enslaved by the consciousness of that. And then the last thing is fear. Fear. I'll, I'll go deeper in the second service. I'll bridge this teaching into the next teaching because the slavery and the grasshopper mentality, they go together. He said that we are no longer slaves to sin. Somebody say, I'm not a slave anymore. He says, we are not slaves to sin. But I'll tell you what, ever worn a watch so long that when you removed the watch, you still felt as if you were wearing it. Yeah. If you ever had an experience, you were going through Oshodi, another rough part. Oshodi is being reformed or revived or I don't know what it is. I'm concerned about the glass they've, they've put there anyway. <laughs> For me, I, I don't know. How do you... People cannot eat in an area. Then you put glass. People are removing railings on the highway and using them for spoon. You know they make spoons out of it? Glass, they're in for mirror. Some people even sell it. They'll coat it with silicon at the back and go and sell it. But we pray in Jesus' name. But you go through that place, another rough part of town, ever happened to you, somebody snatched necklace or whatever, you did not know. You didn't know. In other words, when you've carried something on for so long, even after you stop carrying it, you still feel you're carrying it. Did you ever write any exam that ruined your entire holiday? You hadn't seen the results. But the stress had... Law school. Some of you are still in the law school of legalism. Still carrying the law of Moses on your head. But it says, Christ has delivered us. Now, don't forget this. A slave is a legal possession. So, for Christ to deliver us. 
gosh, I wish I had enough time to tell you. I studied a bit about slavery and I discovered that there was actually a slave that was released from her master in America. I think in the 16th century or thereabout. She was released. She was free. And her husband said she'll come over to another part of America. But she didn't come. She stayed with the family. So she was free and she stayed with the family until she died. And her husband didn't get to see her. I might read the story if we have time in second service. So there are many of us who have been released by Christ, but we're still staying with the lost, still staying with the anger, still staying with the self-doubt because we're so familiar with it. We feel okay there. But it's saying I set you free for a purpose. I didn't set you free for freedom. I set you free so you can be integrated with your family. He says it sets the solitary in families. And so this morning as we close, we proclaim that we are no longer bound to the addictions. You know, for some people, when you get saved, some addictions, some sins, some behavioral patterns will leave you immediately. Immediately by the Holy Ghost. But there might be some people, God wants you to cooperate with him in the process of liberation. God wants you to yield daily. God wants you to submit consistently. God wants it to be quote-unquote deliverance by fellowship. Not just by impartation or release. It's a good place to say thank you Lord for freeing me. Jesus literally paid the price for it. And it's not going to leave you alone God. You don't buy the lace and leave it in the shop at Surulere or Lagos Island. You don't buy the costume, the George from that person online. And they said, don't worry, keep it in your store. No, you bring it out. So when Christ paid for you, he also wants to deliver you from the environment that he paid for you to be released from. Come on, somebody, let's push a little hard. You will no longer look like that spiritually. We have been set free. We have been set free. We have been. We have been set free. Personalize it. I have been set free. I am free indeed, God. I, I have been set free. I have been set free. Christ says I'm free and free indeed. I, I am. 
We're going to pray more in the second service. For those who can wait, please stay for the second service. We're going to go deeper. Raise your hands to heaven. Embrace the reality of your freedom. Slaves, after a while, they stop looking up because the chain conditions their neck to look down and they look forward. And you know something? Fidel, come help me. Tony, stand in front of me. Would you join us? When, you know, they hold the slaves in chains like this? You know one of the reasons? You know one of the reasons? And I'll teach you in second service. Keep going. When a slave has been bowed down and the taskmaster is dragging them, what's the picture that the slave sees? The first slave, what's the picture the slave sees? Taskmaster. Wickedness, oppression, subjugation. What picture does the next slave see? Slavery. So whatever you see consistently, you become eventually. So the highest a slave can become is a taskmaster. So people who have a slavery mentality, even after they are saved, they want to enslave other people with their freedom. And the enemy wants to keep bringing pictures of your slavery, your incapacitation, your inability, your inadequacy, so you can replicate it. I don't want to get so deep, but what happens if the slave farts, farts right into and he can't wave it off his hands at so slavery people in, inhale gases that they didn't produce <laughs> father we embrace our freedom help us to see the cross and its full implications help us to see Christ glorified crucified, raised and glorified help us to see clearer to see clearer to see clearer and let that vision produce transformation in our hearts and in our lives oh God we'll receive our freedom in Jesus name we've prayed somebody say amen, amen. if you're free shout like a free man shout like a free woman shout like a free person is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this how.